uh, as we go through this series, and um, they asked me to, of all things, to speak on being authentic. And so I'm going to share with you what a, a little bit about being authentic. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, of all places that, that we think about that term and all places that we should really be authentic, shouldn't it be inside the church? You know, Christ calls us to come as we are, and yet so many times we come to the church and we put our masks on and we don't come authentic. We don't come who we are because we want people to accept us in what they think that we are. And yet Christ is the one calling us to be authentic and coming as we are. And so my challenge this morning is, is to talk a little bit about that, of being authentic in our walk with God and, and what that looks like. Um, so what does it mean to be authentic? Dr. Seuss, the great theologian, said this, Today you are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Pretty deep, right? Oscar Wilde says, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. We've heard that statement used before. Um, but authentic is genuine and original, as opposed to something that is fake or a reproduction. Authentic is shown to be true and trustworthy. And, and the, the question is, are the people around you every day authentic? Are the people around you every day authentic? Are you authentic? In your workplace, in your school, in your home, in all these different places, are you truly authentic um, a friend of mine, him and I used to do school assemblies here in the valley, and uh, we'd go all over and be able to speak in junior high, high schools, and they'd give us a, an opportunity to get up in front of the kids, and we'd have uh, different things we'd do with some different dramas. We were breaking bricks, doing all this crazy stuff. And one of the things that we really tried to emphasize and get through as we did these, these assemblies was talking about young people and their masks, the masks that they put on. And it's a time period in our life, if we can all think back of junior high and high school, we tried to be something that we weren't. And we'd come and we were afraid to be who we really were. And so we'd put all these different masks on. And that was one of the biggest challenges that we had of going through these schools and trying to get kids to really break down this barrier. Um, we couldn't really talk about Jesus Christ unless they came up and talked to us afterwards. And we had some great opportunities then. But really trying to break down those walls of what it means to be authentic. You know, and we think about that, you know, what do we think of our world today? You know, a world today that we look in and, and we can look at it with a lot of fear. We can look at everything that's happening. You know, Ira mentioned that in this convention, it was great not only to be among other pastors. Um, I, I call the convention kind of like a, a youth camp for pastors because we get to go and, and sit in some incredible worship, you know, a couple times a day and to hear uh, incredible speakers. They'd have these quick talks and get speakers would come up and they'd give about 20 minutes, just a little blurb of, of either something going on in their ministry or something that God was challenging them to share. And so it was great just soaking this all in and our night rallies and all the things that were going on were just trying to, to just build you up. And so it was a great time of doing that. But it's, you know, you look at that and, and having these people from around the world sharing what God is doing in places like Turkey and Uzbekistan and, and different areas that, that they're still moving and God is still moving them. And the thing that I loved about it is it wasn't a bunch of American missionaries going into these countries to share the gospel, it was national people, people from that country that were stepping up and saying, you know what, this is our home. We should be sharing the gospel in our home and where we're at. And we, I actually met a couple missionaries that were sent to America to try to help us in that sense. And so, you know, we live in this world that, that isn't about being authentic. Um, how is it that the world can be filled with such beauty and such order and such good and yet at the same time be filled with such heartache and such pain? If we believe God's way of life is the best way to live, why is it so hard for us to do it? 
Conformity isn't authenticity. Conformity isn't authenticity. Oswald Chamber wrote, backsliding is turning away from what we know to be best to what we know is second best. Are you giving God your best? Are you settling for second best? Thought of it as in guiding a ship. And if you're on this ship and if you just adjust the coordinates, just 1%. So all it is is just 1% off of where you're supposed to be going. Eventually, as you're on this ship, you're going to totally miss where you're heading to. Because it, it, it begins to expand farther and farther just because you're off 1%. And isn't that true in our walk with God? When we get off just 1%, how, how we can be heading towards where God wants us to go, and yet we can end up being so far away because we allowed some little bit of compromise into our walk with God. A little bit of, of, of getting off course. So are you living a life in limbo? Or are you just hanging around? Are the choices you're making now shaping you into the kind of person you'll be forever? Do you believe in a God who is now a faith for today? Why? What good is a faith that doesn't really have anything to do with how we live today in a world we find ourselves in now? If I believe in God and I believe he's for today, how can I partner with God? Ask yourself, what am I doing for the kingdom of God? When was the last time I reached out to someone else? How can I offer more of myself to God? How can I become more authentic? more authentic. So I'm going to share with you guys out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to go through this. I'm going to give you some, some bullet points going along with just different ways that I pulled out about being authentic. And, and the first one is having an authentic purpose, having an authentic purpose. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So in this, I put... This authentic purpose is as we understand life, we begin the process of becoming authentic and seeing our character changed to be like Jesus. We let him drive the ship. We are no longer naked, as it talks about in here, or vulnerable to the things of this world. And in this, you know, one of the statements that I love is, is God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And we wish it was the other way around, that you know, because, God, I accepted you, because you're a part of my life, because I'm giving you my life, I want it to be easy. I want my life to be easy. I want it to be comfortable. And yet God says, you know what, to do that, I have to sacrifice your character, and I want to build your character. And so we as Christians go through this life facing struggles, facing rough times. You know, in, in the past couple months, this church has gone through some rough times. You know, we've, we've had to face a lot of battles. The pastoral staff has had to face so many different things, and yet we push through. Why? Because God is in control. God is, is building us to be authentic, to be who we really are. So what is the purpose of your life? Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. He's made it for his own purpose. One of the things I shared with the youth a couple weeks ago is, is talking about this bullseye living, having a focus in our living. And I said, he or she who aims at nothing gets there every time. He or she who aims at nothing gets there every time. You think about that in, in your walk with God. Uh, another great quote, and I, I don't read just kids' books, but uh, this one's from Alice in Wonderland. 
if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And think about that in your walk with God. Or, or do you have a purpose in your walk with God? Is it nothing more than just, well, I'm not going to hell, that's it. But do you have a purpose in your walk with God? An authentic purpose. Authentic purpose is living defined, living as if God were real and important to me. So here's some points about, that I want to challenge you in living uh, this purposeful, authentic life. Is The first one that's kind of a sub-point of this one is authentic purpose gives me reason to live. Authentic purpose gives me a reason to live. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you spend all the time trying to focus on God's plan for your life, it's like getting the answers to the test before you've ever taken it. If you remove the risk, you remove the faith. If you remove the risk, you remove the faith. It's easy to step out of the boat if you've walked on water before, right? Oh, I've done this. I can do this. I don't have to trust God. I've walked on water before. But when God challenges you to step out and to risk something and, and to do that, that takes faith, it takes trust in God. And yet many of us want to trust God on things that we've done before that are easy to us, that isn't challenging us to step out of our comfort zone. Authentic purpose gives me reason to live. John 10.10 10 says, the enemy is a thief is there to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. So authentic purpose gives you a reason to live. Authentic purpose makes living, uh, authentic purpose living makes my decisions even clearer. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. And so I was thinking about that, and um, you know, we're, we got some time uh, to be away from the conference and to go and, and enjoy ourselves and, and sitting on the beach and then going out into the water. And uh, being raised in Utah, I don't get many, option, many opportunities to go in the ocean. And it was great to get out there and just walk out there and to be in the, as the water just come rushing in. And yet it was so cool to look at this verse and to see how these waves would come crashing in. And you'd get out there pretty far and all of a sudden these waves would come over and just bury you, you know, and come over your head and, and they would, you know, push you towards the shore. And then th- there's a strange occurrence where it also not only pushes you to the shore, but then it pulls you back. And the next thing you know, you're getting sucked back out to the, the deeper part of the waters again. And, and it really kind of made me see this verse in a different way of being being tossed to and fro in our walk with God and how these waves and how different things can just move us around and being pulled. And even though I, I, I'm a good swimmer and, and strong in different areas, I could feel the, the weight of that water just pushing me back and forth and pulling me around. If you can't make up your mind, you're like a wave of indecision. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? You know, for myself, I know that God gave me a purpose in life. God gave me a desire, a direction, and, and I've been pursuing that. And yet there's so many times that, that it's easy for me to get off course a little bit and God has to renew that or renew my mind saying, Chase, what is the purpose I've set up in, for your life? Are you doing that purpose? The passion, the thing that drives me. Authentic purpose living gives my life meaning. It gives my life meaning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand 
what the Lord's will is. Be careful. Make the most out of every opportunity. Give my life meaning. Give my life meaning. So the second thing that I put, you know, being authentic means we have an authentic purpose. The second thing that we have is we have authentic goals. We have authentic goals. The goals are the object of a person's ambition or effort, an aim or desired result. Goals are dreams without deadlines. I read, read this interesting thing, and this pastor talked about um, having these goals, and he says, you know, my goals are not to be finished ASAP, but A-L-A-T. And I was like, what in the world are they talking about? And instead of being finished as soon as possible, he says, I, I have these goals that are set up as long as it takes. As long as it takes, but I'm still going to push on towards these goals. So verses 6 through 10, again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so we have this goal it talks about, having this authentic goal in our walk with God. What does that mean? Um, Is pleasing God, not man, our ultimate goal. As we align ourselves with his will and we begin to look more and more like the divine author, what are you a reflection of? What goals do you have in your life? Not just personal goals, not just things that we set up to, to accomplish personal things in our life, but do you have spiritual goals in your life that you want to push towards, that God's directing you towards? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, thought, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in the human form, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He had a purpose. He had a goal. There was a great story I read. Um, It was in February 19th of 1519. There was a Spanish explorer named Hernan Cortez who set sail for Mexico with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. The indigenous population upon his arrival was approximately 5 million. From a purely mathematical standpoint, the odds were stacked against him by a ratio of 7,541 to 1. It's like the same chances of Cleveland beating the Warriors in the playoffs. Two previous expeditions had failed to even establish a settlement in the New World. Yet Cortez conquered much of the South American continent. Why? What Cortez had reported to have done after landing is an epic tale of mythic proportions. He issued an order that turned his mission into an all-or-nothing proposition. He said, burn the ships. As his crew watched their fleet of ships burn and sink, they came to terms with the fact that retreat was not an option. Failure is resorting to plan B when plan A gets too risky, too costly, or too difficult. Are you living plan A or plan B in your life with God? Are you living plan A or plan B? Goals have a way of refocusing your life. They give you a purpose. They give you a target to shoot for. They're the compass of our dreams. The Bible gives us some clear-cut rules when he talks about having some goals in our life, and it says, seek first 
the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then Jesus himself in Matthew 22, when they asked him, what are the greatest commandments? What are the things that you desire for us to do above all else? And what did Jesus say? He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So here's some goals that God is setting up saying, you know what? Where's your goals in life? Are you resorted to plan B or are you pushing forward with plan A to love God with everything in you and to love those around you? So we have authentic purpose, we have authentic goals, and next we have authentic motives. Authentic motives. Verses 11 through 15 in 2 Corinthians again. Since then, we know what what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in their heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Are we living for him or are we living for ourselves? Having authentic motives. What are your motives to follow Christ on your own? Are you just appeasing those around you or do you truly desire to follow God? Are your motives true and trustworthy? Do you truly love those around you? As 1 John 4, 7 and 8 talks about what, what true love is. Or what motivates your relationship with God? Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or, or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So goes back to being authentic. You know, and being authentic and being who we really are, it's so hard to do because we want to please men. Even when we walk into church, we don't want to show people that we're hurting, that we're, we're in strife, that things are going on. And we, we struggle to be authentic because we want to please men. And yet God's the one looking at our heart. God knows the struggles that we're going through. What are your motives? Have you ever wondered why you do the things you do? You know, myself, I find myself doing the same thing I've always done, but I can't remember why I did that. Sometimes we do stuff because our parents did it that way or maybe because our friends do it a certain way. Um, One of the things that my wife hates that I do is when I'm sick, just part of what I do is I love soda crackers and Sprite. I don't think that has anything to help me, but it's just one of those comfort things that as growing up, that's what I got when I was sick was soda crackers and Sprite. Um, And I've started a new one, which is cookie dough. And I think it's just because I really like cookie dough. (laughs) Then when I get sick, I make cookie dough. My wife's like, what are you doing? That doesn't help you. And I'm like, yeah, it does. (laughs) I'm still sick, but I'm eating cookie dough. Um, But we do a lot of different things just out of habits. Wouldn't it be refreshing to really look at what we should be doing and remind ourselves why? I go back to the sermon I preached two weeks ago on that statement that still reverberates in my mind is, who are you and what are you here for? We don't get credit for an audit, do we? We all want to spend eternity with God. We just don't want to spend time with him. We Facebook more than we seek his face. We text more than we study the text. 
Our eyes are fixed on everything but God, especially in today's entertainment-flooded world. And then we wonder why God seems so far away. We want joy without sacrifice. We want character without suffering. We want success without failure. We want gain without pain. We want testimony without test. We want it all without going all out for it. Having authentic motives. Fourth one is having an authentic point of view. An authentic point of view. Verse 16 of, of 2 Corinthians 5. So now, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Seeing the world and people through the eyes of the author is key to understanding the author's heart that produces our own perseverance and develops our own character. You know, I, I thought of an idea of a gentleman sitting here on the, almost on the front row of, you know, the way Jason Flores seems, sees home, homeless people is different than the way most of us see homeless people. We see homeless people and we might have some comments in our own mind that we go through of why they're homeless. We don't know why they are, but we have our own mind why they are. And so we get aggravated or we get frustrated and we don't do anything about it because that's just the way that we see them. And yet Jason sees them differently and he says, you know what? I'm going to find out their stories. And if I can't even find out their stories, I'm going to show them a glimpse of who Jesus is. And I may not get to speak to them. I may not get to pray with them, but I'm going to feed them. And so Jason has started a ministry and he's done this for years of every, he used to do it every Friday, but now every other Friday he gathers here in this church, spends hours cooking a home cooked meal, and then he goes down and he feeds the homeless. He sees them differently than we see them. An authentic point of view. There's a story that I read about a, a lady named Anna Tomasek. She was a nurse in 1924 who moved to India and gave, she was actually engaged and she walked away from her engagement because she felt like God's calling her to India. And she moved to India and gave her life to helping young girls who were thrown away by culture. And one of those young girls was found as an infant in a dung heap. And a gentleman had went out to relieve himself at the dung heap and saw movement under some bushes. And he he moved it away and saw a little baby laying there in the dung heap. The umbilical cord still connected. And so he picked up this little baby amongst the smelly, you know, atmosphere that she was in. And he brought her to Anna Tomasek. She was, she was later, they, they nicknamed her Mama G just because of her, her heart for these young girls. And, and Anna took this little baby girl in and for the next seven years loved this girl, took care of this girl. And, and it gave her a purpose. She saw her as something different. Um, at the age of seven, she was adopted into a family from New Delhi. Her new parents discovered that she had a gift for music. And by the time she was 16, she was attending the London Conservatory of Music. And later, as an adult, she would play on a regular basis in Buckingham Palace for the Queen. It's a long way from a dung heap to a palace. Loving God is laying down your life in service to the Creator so that He can give it back to you. How do you view the people around you? You need to use your Jesus goggles because it's so easy to be judgmental. It's so easy to, to, to try to pinpoint what their problem is instead of just loving them as Christ would love them. So having an authentic point of view. Number five is having an authentic wholeness. 
having authentic wholeness. Verses 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So having authentic wholeness, we are a new creation in Christ. We are whole in Christ. The world wants to damage that wholeness that he created you to be. So what defines you? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your abilities? Or is it your relationship with Christ? Where do you find peace? Where do you find peace? This whole week, we went to hear different speakers. And it was, you know, like I mentioned, it was like a, a, a youth camp. Because we got to go in and, and it was so refreshing, not only to see people that we haven't seen in a while, um, or see, you know, gain some new relationships, that kind of stuff, but just to really soak in and, and to sit back and not have to be on. And you could just let other people breathe into your life. And let other people speak in your life and challenge you in different ways. And just to soak it in saying, okay, God, I want to go this week, not just because it's in Hawaii. You know, this is a conference that every year um, we try to go to and, or we send someone from our staff to it. And it's the same thing. It's just a place that we go and we get fed into. And, and, and they put together a whole uh, conference of just trying to speak into the pastor's lives. And it was just being able to soak that in. But sitting back on the beach, looking out at the ocean... And seeing peace and finding peace in that. And, and we went on a, my wife and I went on a hike with one of the, the gentlemen that was there that knew the area really well. And he took us on this back hike where no one was. And we crossed a river and he, you know, going through this jungle and also opened up into this beautiful um, waterfall. And uh, just a, a beautiful, peaceful setting. And so, me being who I was, we got to jump off the waterfall into the water below. Um, just that, that excitement of it, but just that peace that was there. And so finding peace, what, what is that peace that you have? And is that peace found in who Jesus Christ is? Here's some definitions of peace that I found. Peace is the absence of war. It's freedom from quarrels and disagreements. It's harmony, it's calm, it's serenity. But peace, which is shalom in, in Hebrew, is, is being well, happy, friendly, a state of wholeness, a security. Peace in the, in the Greek is the quietness of heart and mind based on the knowledge that all is well between you, the believer, and God. The world's idea of peace is taking care of everything around you. It's an outward, horizontal idea of what peace is. Yet a godly peace is based on the condition of the heart. It's an inside and vertical relationship. And you can have chaos on the horizontal, outward area going on around you, but you can still have peace on an inward level with Jesus Christ. A godly peace is based on the condition of the heart. So we have this authentic purpose, authentic goals, authentic motives, authentic point of view, authentic wholeness. And the last one I'm just going to touch on is an authentic representation. Authentic representation. I'm going to read verses 18 through 21. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of the reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin, uh, sins against them. And he was, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. An authentic representation. We should be a representation of of who Christ is because Christ is in us. If people look at us, and it's easy to prejudge other people and all this kind of stuff, if people look at us, do they see Christ being represented in our life, in our way of doing things? You know, if the world can't see a difference, what difference is there? We become an authentic representation of Christ that will draw others to him. Not just by what we say, but more by who we have become. If the world can't see a difference, as I said before, then what difference is there? You, can be, you can't be the hands and the feet of God if you're sitting on your butt, right? Who would others say that you are? Who would others say that you are? If, if we had to go around and interview people that you come across on a daily basis, even your own family members, and we said, who are you? Who is this person? Who would others say that you are? Would I get the same answers you give me from your parents, from your wife or your husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, from your friends, from your coworkers, from your brothers, your sisters? What would others say that you are? So I close with this. Where is my hope found? Am I just hanging out in my relationship with God? Or how can I partner with God and my church to make this world the world he planned it to be? How can I truly be authentic? And again, I go back to us being in this building right here, and it's not, as Ira talked to to us about the building in itself, it's not about this building. But it's about us as a body of believers coming together and being authentic and being real. That it's okay, and and we had a pastor who used to do that all the time, and he would share his weaknesses and share, share his struggles. Why? Because he was being authentic and real. In the place that we should be able to be authentic and real. Above anywhere else, we should be able to be accepted and authentic and real here because Christ calls us to do that. So am I authentic? Do I have an authentic purpose? Are my goals authentic? Are my motives authentic? Is my point of view authentic? Is my wholeness truly authentic? And because of that, what I represent is that authentic? And so I'm going to close in prayer. And, and I hope this is just a challenge to you of, of trying to be real in our lives. Every one of us in this building have struggled at times and, or maybe struggling now with putting masks on and trying to hide maybe failures, trying to hide struggles, trying to hide sin, trying to hide different things that are going on inside of us. And yet we open this building every Sunday not just to meet a purpose of just that's what we do on Sundays. We open this building and we have a statement that says loving God and loving people because we ask people to come as they are, to love you with your junk, with your struggles, to come here and be authentic because Christ calls us to be authentic. Christ calls us to be real. Christ loves us where we're at. Christ loves us in in all of our stuff. Does he leave us there? No. But it takes us putting some things together to start working and walking into that. And having a purpose in our life. Are we truly authentic? So close your eyes. And, and I just want you to think in your own mind as I, as I pray. God, what are some areas that I've been struggling being authentic in? Do I truly have an authentic purpose in this life? Is my life 
more than just about me? Do I have a picture that's bigger than just myself? God, what are you challenging me to be real in this morning? So, Father God, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that we can be refreshed in you. God, that we can be honest and go through struggles, even as pastors, God. That we can go through rough times, that we can go through times that we just feel beat up and wore out. And that's okay to be real. It's okay to hurt sometimes. It's okay to have struggles. Because what better place to come, God, than into your loving arms? Into a place that you say, I I want you as you are because that's who I created you to be. I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew what I had in store for you. But you're choosing plan B. You're choosing to do things on your own. You're choosing to try to make everything right by yourself before coming to me. And I made you. So, Lord, this morning, I just pray for everyone in this building, God. You know the masks that we put on. You know the fear that we have of being real and being authentic, God. You know that sometimes we run from that. And, God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to be real. God, if we've never made that decision to be real at all, if we've never dropped our guard and said, God, I I want you to love me as I am. I came this morning not expecting too much and yet God you're tugging at my heart to become real use this opportunity this morning people to just cry out and say God help me to be real help me to be who you created me to be help me to be bigger than just my own mindset of myself so God we give you this morning I give you everyone that is here God you have a purpose for their life you have a direction for their life you have a calling in their life God You have desires that you have for them in their life, God. Lord, help them to run after it. Help them to be able to look back and say, I ran the race, God. I gave you my all. Lord, I was real. I was authentic. We give you this morning, God, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.